the Russian poet Nikolai Melnikov, who died 18 years ago at the age of 40, wrote 10 years earlier in 1996 the poem Ruski Kriest, Russian Cross, which talks about a man named Ivan Rostok, you would say Ivan, Ivan Rostok. No, his name was Ivan Rostok, who lived somewhere in a corner of a completely destroyed village. His name is symbolic, as Ivan is known to be an archetypal Russian male name, and the word Rostok means a sprout or a shoot, and figuratively represents a new beginning, or at least the possibility of a new beginning. That man was just like the village he lived in, completely ruined, not only economically, but above all morally. He had been married, he had had a decent job at the local collective farm, a house and two daughters. But as everyone, he had his vices. And one of them was typical for Russia. He was a drunkard. And the more he drank, the more violent he became, until finally he raised his hand against his wife, who then left the house with their daughters. Shortly after he had beaten his wife, Ivan suffered a serious accident. He lost his right hand, thus losing his ability to work. Out of pity for him, he was given the job of night watchman at the Kalhas office, where he was constantly drinking and playing cards with his drinking buddies. His life had lost all meaning. He was despised by everyone, even by his daughters and so-called friends, not to mention all the other villagers. This man, as well as that dirty and in every possible way ruined village, symbolize in this poem all of Russia in its pitiful reality. And the most symbolic in this terrible picture was an old church standing in the middle of the village with broken windows and a leaking roof. The church had been used as a warehouse for some time, but was now completely empty and falling apart more and more. The poet, poet summarizes the situation of Russia and its people with the following words. Bez kresta, bez pakajania, i kamu teper nužne vaši mysli i stradanje, vaši slioze, vaši sne. Slioz Rasija ne šitajet, vse veka v slezah živjet, no vže zametno tajet, ne skibajamo i narod. I would translate the meaning of these lines as follows. 
without the cross and without penance, who needs your thoughts and sufferings, your tears, your dreams? Russia does not count tears. She has lived in tears for centuries. And this hardened nation is already fading. The poem continues with Ivan having a terrible dream and not being able to find peace until he unexpectedly goes to the nearly collapsed church where the crucified Christ looks at him from the ceiling painting. Ivan wants to pray, but he doesn't know how. He wants to make a sign of the cross, but he can't because he has no right hand. He had lost it because he had hit his wife with it. So, so he falls into complete despair and is as if dead for three days. After three days, however, Ivan finds the strength to stand up again. Perhaps here is a hint of the resurrection of Christ on the third day. He washes his face for the first time in a very long time and then goes to work using his remaining left hand. He makes a cross bigger than himself out of two large locks, puts it on his back and starts wandering around to preach the gospel and collect money to rebuild the church in his village. At first, the people around him distrust him, are even hostile to, towards him. But in the long run, he gains the fame of a prophet, even a saint. However, he himself remains humble and carries his cross, knowing that this is the only cross he can bear, since he doesn't have a right hand to make the sign of the cross. The message that Ivan preached on his journey was this. Если все попросим Бога за себя, за нашу Русь, за грехи людские наши и за весь позор и стыд, неужели он откажет, неужели не простит? If everyone begs God for themselves, for our Russia, for our human sins, and for all the insults and shameful deeds, would he really refuse? Would he really not forgive? Now, if you think this poem has a happy ending, you are wrong. When Ivan returns to his home village with the money raised to restore the church, he's found robbed and killed the next day. And the poem doesn't say for certain whether the ruined sanctuary was finally restored. This poem gives a stunningly accurate and honest picture of the reality of Russia. Yes, in such spiritual and moral misery, they have lived there for centuries. 
But I'm not talking about all this, of course, only because Russia, but because I'm convinced that at least to a certain extent, this all applies to the whole mankind. Not only one or another country or nation, but after the fall, the entire humanity finds itself in a moral bankruptcy, which St. Paul expresses with a distressing cry, for I know that in me, that is, in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing, for to will is present with me, but how to perform, perform that which is good I find not, for the good that I would, would I do not, but the evil which I would not, that I do. I find in the law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. But I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind, and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? St. Paul, of course, knew the answer to this question because he continues, I thank God through Jesus Christ, our Lord, the one who redeems us from this sinful body of death is Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, who came to give himself for us and reconcile us to God, our Creator and Father, through his death on the cross of Calvary. Today's Gospel tells us about how Jesus helped people at a wedding feast. They had run out of wine, and Jesus saved them from trouble by turning the water into wine. Wedding, more precisely the marriage, is an essential part of being human. At the beginning of the Holy Scripture, it says that God saw that it is not good that the man should be alone. We know this very well. We know that to be truly human, we need to share our lives with someone. Marriage, especially when a new human life springs from it, is the best opportunity to share our lives and grow in love, which is the ultimate calling of all of us. At the traditional Jewish wedding feast, wine is a symbol of joy and vitality. So, running out of the wine was taken as a gloomy sign that the marriage will be unhappy and fruitless. Thus, the running out of wine at the wedding feast at Cana represents the condition, the fate, the final destiny of mankind as it would be if we were abandoned to ourselves and our fate. A joyless, gloomy, hopeless, almost lifeless march toward eternal damnation.
God does not want our story to end like this. That's what he sent his son for. Not just to turn water into wine at the wedding feast, but to give us real joy and hope. To restore in us the faith that no matter how much we have gone astray and sinned against heaven and earth, we have the opportunity for a new beginning. Just like that pitiful man in that Russian poem I was talking about before. If only we didn't ruin everything again. That poem didn't have a happy ending. At best, its ending was left open. What is the end of our story? Are we ready for Jesus to change and renew us as he turned water into wine at the wedding feast at Canaan? Are we willing to let go of the old and take up our cross as heavy as it is to follow Jesus where he goes, because only there is true happiness and joy. Are we ready to make an honest and realistic assessment of ourselves and our lives, both as individuals and as a nation, realizing that this is the first step on the path of salvation to which God calls us? If we are ready for that, then we have nothing to fear. Then we can say, as this Russian poet Nikolai Melnikov says at the very end of his poem, There is enough heaven for prayer, because in heaven, There is God. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen.